Okay. Um, we want to look at this aspect of uh, the commission that God has uh, given to each one of us. And, okay. and we want to look at a passage from Matthew 9 and verse 35 to 38. And a few other passages we'll look at. And then uh, we'll see how we can draw some aspects that we can apply into our lives. So Matthew 9 and verse 35 to 38, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he asked, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So in this particular passage, you see a commission from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that commission is there. Uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So just as Jesus came down from heaven and he was commissioned by the Father, and so he is giving a commission to his disciples and so to each one of us also. Actually, like, Across the Gospels, even in Acts and in different other passages, you always see a commission or we say the great commandment to go therefore, you know, and, and give what we have received to share Christ uh, with people around us and to see God and Jesus Christ changing their lives. There is a commission, so to say. Uh, I, as I grew up in my home, uh, as a young boy with three brothers and uh, our home uh, like i i love my parents my dad and my mom and as we grew up our home was quite open in a sense like open to people visitors hospitable so so we enjoyed that aspect uh, in a sense like people would come in uh, and uh, be there with us some of them uh, like would stay with us for some months and uh, some of them would be there with us for some years. Like, uh, so sometimes I felt that my uh, dad ran a placement and settlement cell in our home. Like, you know, so, uh, because he would have people come over uh, from Kerala uh, and different other places. And uh, he would kind of like help them to get a job uh, somewhere. And then they'll be there for a few months, some of them for some years. And then like they will go to the Gulf or to Europe or some other place. So, so our home and uh, the city of Mumbai was a launch pad for them, like, you know, to go to the, to the Gulf or to uh, Europe. And he was passionate about this. You know, he was really passionate uh, about this. And uh, now he's 76 years old. He's still very passionate about it. Like, you know, I still, I still remember. Uh, so what is happening is that now the passion is so contagious that he's passed it on to the sons also. Like, you know, so, so we are all in that, in that mission, like to rescue people, you know, to rescue people. I still remember two years back, one of my cousins came. And uh, so he said, Jomon, you need to do something for him. And so then I started connecting to people. And then one of our leaders, Nathan, who's in Pawai, he helped my cousin, you know, to get him a job and all that. Uh, but in that process, he got the appointment letter and all that. In that process, I got a call from uh, Nathan. And he said, we've got a complaint from the company and the company is saying that whenever we try and call up your cousin the candidate your father picks up the phone like 
and he's answering all his all the questions that they have and so they're very upset and angry that they've not employed your father and but they employed this candidate cousin of yours let him speak up for himself like so you have to really tell my i to really call up and tell my dad dad relax like you know he's grown up he will figure out being in bombay and you know, he'll figure out traveling he'll figure out like going to different places and all that like he's really passionate you know he's really passionate so i was just thinking that my dad is passionate on a mission you know to rescue people from their financial status or conditions but as we look at this particular passage i think jesus is calling us towards a passionate mission to rescue people from their spiritual states like uh, uh to and that's what like is a call that he is giving to his disciples as a call that he is given giving to each of us and over and uh, over again he reinstates those things across scriptures across the gospels uh, the acts uh, of the apostles also so there is a commission there is a mission that god is calling us to and there are few aspects of this uh, commission there are few aspects of this mission that god has called us to and there are simple there's there are simple things and uh, so we are commissioned and what are we commissioned for we are commissioned for compassion the first aspect that we see over here uh, it says uh, in the passage that we read when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd so there is a commission to each of us and that commission is for compassion you know compassion towards people who are there around us you know and so that's what like jesus is saying now uh so he saw he saw the crowds you know so he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them i want to say that as we live in the city of mumbai and as i live in the city of mumbai you know when i see crowds or a crowd in the city of mumbai i have compassion for myself so i i'm looking at people and and we are most of them wondering where do all these people come from like what are they doing like what am i doing in this place like you know how am i going to survive in this place like and so uh and so when i look at the command of jesus it breaks my heart it pierces my heart and jesus looked at the crowds and he still has compassion on them he has a burden for them he he is able to look into their needs and their hearts you know and he wants to reach out to them to rescue them uh, you know and he wants us to have compassion on them and so but i don't see that when i when i look at the command of jesus and the commission of jesus you know to have compassion you know i find it difficult to accept that and to experience that even as i live in the city when i see a crowd i get fearful you know you know i get intimidated i'm angry i'm i'm revengeful if they do something to me i better give it back like you know Uh, so so that's the posture that i find myself in living in the city i uh you know just uh, maybe about a kilometer or a couple of kilometers away from this place there's a horse park okay. and uh, uh, when my da- daughter was 
you know, about maybe about a few years younger than what she is right now, I would always take her to the horse park over there. You know? so, so you go for a few rounds in the horse park. And then there is a kind of a playground over there with uh, seesaws and a swing and all that. And so I would uh, take her there. So once I remember I taking her over there. And uh, the swing, you know, the swing has the longest queue. Like, you know, so, the, the, so that's what like children go for. You know? And the seesaws and all are empty, like uh, not many children playing. And so I find myself like waiting with her, like uh, for the swing. And so there are people like ahead of me. And so I'm waiting slowly, like 10 minutes. So I come to the place where now it's her turn. Okay? And as soon as I come to that place, a lady just jumps in, you know, and then puts her daughter on the swing. So I'm furious. Like, uh, so, so I step in. I said, Madam, I am next in line. My daughter is next in line. And so, so she is a little bit perplexed. And so she moves aside. And so I put Karen there. And I'm just thinking, there is no order in this place. Like, you know, so you know, people have, uh, you know, how come like, you know, they don't have any sense of like, you know, uh, system or anything you know, in them, like, they can't wait, there's no patience, like, and so I put my daughter on the swing, and then I'm swinging, that, you know, with anger, because she's standing next, like, you know, she's standing next, so then, uh, then after a few rounds, like, you know, I just put her down, and I tell, now oh, you can take her. <laughs> so, just go out. So I leave that I was upset and so I was thinking about so many things that you know when you go to the airports like there are yellow lines and we don't see those yellow lines you know so uh, white lines yellow lines like we don't see anything we just jump in like you know what don't see where people are but as I was just coming out of that place I felt the Lord speaking to me and I felt God saying you missed an opportunity you know to just take a step back and allow that lady to go with her daughter and just have her turn. You know, jump your turn like, and have her turn. And maybe if I would have just done that you know, and allowed her daughter you know, to play, maybe I could have had the opportunity to ask her, by the way, where do you stay? Uh, to maybe have a conversation or uh, some uh, door that God would open to just connect. But I was just caught in that aspect of this is not fair. That's not right. So it is not a fair deal for me. That's what I just felt. But I felt the Lord Jesus saying, it is not a fair deal for me also. It is not a fair deal for me. And I feel and we know that it's not a fair deal that we experience every day in our lives through the grace that we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. Even now, even if when we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're so sinful and we're so selfish, and yet I'm a recipient of His grace, His favor, His blessing, now His hand upon my life. It's not a fair deal that I experience every day in my life. And I could not, I could not just wait, step back, allow, you know, someone else, uh, you know, that opportunity. And I missed that opportunity. And so I just want to say, 
So this aspect of compassion is so crucial. It sounds very simple, but when it comes to our real day, uh, a daily life experiences, we find it difficult to to put that into practice, uh, to see God working in our lives. They were harassed and helpless. He saw the crowds. They were harassed and helpless. Many times we feel harassed and helpless. Uh, he, they, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and so he wanted to guide them. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to protect them. But many times like we are the one seeking guidance and protection. You know, when we are in the midst of a crowd. But Jesus is there. Uh, to see how he can lead someone else. You know? And that's what like, God has called us to. He has called us to you know, show compassion. As he shows compassion to each one of us. Despite our own heart conditions. Uh, to reach out to people around us. I know that uh, Suni, Sunita was saying that one of the days uh, that she was coming... Uh, back from work and she got down from uh, VT station and she saw uh, a young girl dancing at VT station. Uh, so, so she could recognize that she was in some kind of a bad mental state, like she had a mental condition. And she knew that, she realized that if, if we leave her as she is, someone may, ta- may take advantage. And so she just went to the ticket collector's office and said, you know, you need to summon the police and try and take this lady to a hospital. There is a hospital just behind the station. That's St. George Hospital. And so they were cooperative. And uh, so they called in the police and then took away this lady for the hospital. And as she was kind of like in the midst uh, of the ticket collectors in the office of theirs, one of them said, ma'am, like you're a social worker, this is a good thing that you're doing. But you know, we have one among us, one of our friends, he's not married, he stays in the suburbs, and he goes through bouts of depression. Would you also tell us how to help this particular person? And as she was just sharing, I was just thinking that, Lord, there is so much of a need around us. As, as we step out uh, to share the love of God, the love of Christ, to show the compassion and kindness that God has shown to us, to others, there are so many people in need. And she was able to you know, give the phone number of one of our friends in the suburbs so that like that particular ticket collector could connect to him and maybe find some help. But that just shows that there is so much of a need that is there around us. People are waiting for God's compassionate touch, His healing touch upon their lives. So, uh, just as we just look at this aspect, I would feel that Jesus wants us to have eyes to see people, hearts to feel people, courage to lead people, and that's compassion. Uh, That's the commission that God has given to us. That's the mission that God would want us to be on as we live in the city of us. And it is possible by His grace. It's possible by His grace. That's the first uh, aspect. I also want to just say, just read out this particular verse. 
Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and I have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus said, asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. I just want to say, that compassion, when we operate out of compassion and kindness, it releases miracles in situations and lives of people. And we will see this over and over and over again in the scriptures. Yes, it's, it is a spiritual gift, maybe, you know, experiencing miracles and experiencing healings, but it is triggered by compassion. It is triggered by kindness. It is triggered by, you know, empathizing with someone who is going through difficulty. And so we see the release of God's favor, the release of God's blessing. And we see a miracle. We see, we see healings happen in the lives of people when we step out in compassion, with his compassion. That's the first uh, thing that we see over here. The second aspect, we are commissioned for faith. We commissioned for faith. So the first aspect was compassion. The second aspect is we commissioned for faith. It says that then Jesus, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So, so Jesus is saying, ask the Lord, in a sense, pray to the Lord that he would send out workers into the harvest field. Okay, so And this is the last verse of Matthew chapter 9. Okay, And if you, so it's a little bit interesting, if you look at the next verse, that's Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1, it says, Jesus called his disciples to him and gave him authority, gave them authority to drive out evil impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. I found it a little bit strange. In the previous verse he's saying pray, and then next verse he's saying, now go. So he's saying, pray. And then he's saying, now you become the answer to your prayer. You go. That's faith. That's faith. He's saying, ask the Lord of the harvest. And then he's saying, now you go. No, pray. And no, follow that with obedience. That's faith. You become the workers. Sometimes we experience this in a, in a marriage relationship. You know, the boy and the girl, they get married. The boy, the husband loves tea and the wife likes coffee. And from day one, the husband is praying, Lord, change her. Let her like tea and make tea for me. Like, you know. But after two years, husband is having coffee. Yes, the Lord has answered, you know, by changing him and by changing us. So we become the answer to our prayer. So sometimes like we try and do that. We, we say these kind of dangerous prayers. Another dangerous prayer that we can make is, Lord, change my boss. This was another dangerous prayer. And after two years, sometimes when we're checking with the people, 
how's your work? Fine. Everything is fine. What happened? Now I'm going on time. Now I'm working really hard. I'm doing more than what I'm expected to do. I experience a great level of ownership. And so as we pray, you know, God changes us. And that's, that's faith. And that's what like we see over here also. It's called faith. Praying through the word of God and acting on it. The new formula for answer prayers. Becoming the answer to our prayers. No? Uh, praying through the word and allowing God's spirit to come and touch us and change us. No. A.W. Tozer, he says, the Bible recognizes no faith that does not lead to obedience, nor does it recognize any obedience that does not spring from faith. The two are opposite sides of the same coin. Faith and obedience. I was reading the story of Robert and Mary Moffat. Uh, they're a Scottish couple, missionaries, and they went to a place in South Africa, not in South Africa, next to South Africa, that is Botswana. And they were serving in that place. Robert Moffat is the father-in-law of uh, uh, David Livingston. Right? So his daughter married David Livingston. And so they were there in that place. And for 10 years, they worked there. And for 10 years that they worked there, they did not see anyone coming to Christ, receiving Christ. Ten years. Long time. Ten years. No one coming to Christ. And so, their sending agency, like, they got back to them and said, I think this is a tough place, difficult place. I think you should just come back. Pray, and maybe you need to go to another place. I think it was the London Mission Board uh, that told them to kind of pray and consider coming back. But they felt the call of God upon their lives. And they felt that God wanted them to be there. And so, uh, they said, give us a couple of more years. Of some more years. We feel God's call in this place. And as they prayed and as they continued to work in that difficult place, one of their friends from England, he wrote them a letter saying, I was praying for you. Uh, and I was thinking of sending you all a gift. What gift would you all like to have? And so Mary Moffat, she wrote back to him and said, I think you can send us a communion set. Communion set. We may need it very soon. I mean, not a single person who knew Christ. You know, no church. Forget about communion. She's asking for communion. Communion set. But in the next few months, they saw six people receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, being touched with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Their lives changed. Their hearts been open to what God has done in their lives. That communion set came a little bit late, but it came one day before they were going to celebrate their first communion service in church. And so, I thought like that's faith. <laughs> no? The willingness to persevere, the willingness to be there and the willingness to trust God that God will work in the lives of people. And that's the faith that God wants us to uh, exhibit. Faith and answers are always linked to 
obedience. And that's what like God uh, wants us to grow into this uh, level of faith and this aspect of faith uh, in our lives. I also feel that, uh, you know, God would also want us to, to impart faith into the lives of people. That will bring hope, that will bring life, that will release, you know, God's miracles into the lives of people. To impart, it's possible, you know, to impart that faith that we have in God to someone else. Like my, uh, my second brother, uh, they did not have children for a number of years and uh, they were praying for a child. And then like when my uh, sister-in-law was expecting uh, and then uh, uh, so, so, so she was expecting and she was into a seventh month. And uh, when they did the sonography, they saw in the sonography that like uh, the child that is there in the womb has a cleft lip, has a cleft palate and has a three-chambered heart. You know, so, uh, so has a very bad heart condition. And she was told, uh, they were told by the doctors, I think it's good if you consider abortion. Yeah. And so, so, so we were in touch with my, with my brother and uh, we were praying for them. And they asked us, Joe, I mean, this is what we've been advised. This is the condition of the baby. You know? and, and as we prayed and as we spoke to them, we said that you know, we need to be open to receive whatever God gives to us. It may not be perfect, but we need to be open. So would you all be willing uh, to be open to receive whatever God has in store? And God touched their heart to trust God, to have hope in God. Maybe this will work out. God will heal. They will see God's touch. And so she delivered and the baby had a cleft lip, a cleft palate. And a three-chambered heart. The next day, my brother and the baby, uh, they, they both flew to uh, Bangalore, to Narayan Hridalaya, the heart hospital. And the doctor, the surgeon, looked at the child and said, it's, she's too small to have an operation being done. The baby will suffer. And more than the baby, y'all will suffer more. So let the baby live as long as she can live. So they came back. My brother and the child just came back. And that child survived 14 days. Uh, turned blue in about a week's time. And uh, uh, the baby was no more. It was a very difficult time for us. Uh, just even to just experience going to the cemetery with a small coffin, burying the child and then coming back. Uh, so, so those months were very difficult. But as we just prayed, you know, we started speaking to my brother and said, and because my sister-in-law was told that every time she conceives, there's a 50% chance of some abnormality. And so, so we were considering adoption and we had, we had applied for adoption. And so we spoke to them and said, would you like to consider adoption? So at that time, they were not very open. But in a short period of time, God opened their hearts. And they were willing to consider adoption. And I think in a year's time, uh, they got a baby girl from the Sisters of Charity uh, in Villa Parley. And uh, so this girl looked just, you know, photocopy of my brother. Like, you know, so it's like, so, so it's so beautiful to have this child at home. But the most beautiful thing was that after about three years, she conceived again. 
and she gave birth to a normal baby girl. And as we just look at what God has done, we feel both are miracle children from the Lord. And so they could step out in faith, see the hand of God, see the power of God working in their lives. I think God has called us and God has put people around us so that we can impart that faith that we have in God to others. Stand with them, support them, pray with them and see the hand of God upon their lives. So we're commissioned uh, for compassion and uh, we're commissioned for faith. And the third aspect, the last aspect is we're commissioned for Boldness. We are commissioned for boldness. I want to read that uh, passage from Matthew 10 and uh, verse 16 to 20. It's there on the screen also. Matthew 10 verse 16 and 20. It says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and, and, and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what, you, what to say or how to say. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. We are commissioned, commissioned for boldness. Uh, it's a little bit scary. Uh, because it says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. When I was reading this, I was kind of telling the Lord Jesus, I'm scared of sheep. And your word says, be among wolves. Like, uh, uh, I don't like the idea of sheep itself. Like, no, sir. And you're saying wolves. Like, so. so my curiosity just led me to read something about wolves. Like, you know, so... Just to understand where is God calling us to be. Like, no, what is this God calling us to be? And he says, the wolf is one of the earth's most cowardly and fearful animals. It is so sly and foxy that it is almost a waste of time to try and catch him in any kind of trap. Although he can be cowardly and fearful, he can also be one of the most vicious and bloodthirsty of all animals. Often they simply kill as much prey as is possible, regardless of hunger and appetite. This is done by hamstringing their prey. This leaves them helpless and unable to move. Then the pack, wolf pack can eat and tear him apart at their own will. And I'm reading, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Right. So, uh, so I'm saying, Lord, uh, it's so difficult. What is this commission? What is this mission that you're sending us into, sending me into in the midst of wolves. You know? But the Lord also spoke to me. Jesus came as sheep among us wolves and we tore him apart. And so, and so we see Christ, the Lamb of God, coming in the midst of us. We don't look like wolves, but yes, we nailed him on the cross. We were vicious. We were wicked. We put him on the cross. We were those wolves. What did he do? 
to provoke such hostility? It says in Matthew 9, verse 35, the same chapter that we were looking at, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. The Lamb of God who came and lived in the midst of us, but we nailed him to the cross. But he was bold to do that. He was bold enough to step in, be obedient to the Father's will. Today we sang that song, Lord, your will and your way, always. That's true of him. And we need his grace to say, Lord, let it be true of me. Your way and your will in my life, always. The other thing in this is that there is no other way for us to live our lives. This is the only way for us to live our lives. Because God has called us to be on this mission for him. To show compassion. To live our life in faith. To be bold. And he promises us his presence, his protection. And there's no other way to live our lives. That's what we see Jesus saying also. In Matthew 10 and verse 39. The next chapter. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's no other way. There's no option for us. But his grace is there. His protection is there. His mercy is there over us. And as we live in this mission of God, we will enjoy Him. We'll experience true joy. We'll experience true freedom. We'll experience true fulfillment. There is no other way to live our lives. Because that's the way He lived His life. And that's the way He expects us also to live our lives. In boldness. Reaching out to people with His love that we have experienced in our lives. Now, Anand also has been to this place in Gujarat called Sukapur you know, sometime back on a mission trip. And uh, we were hearing the story of the pastor who actually started that particular church in that place. And he was saying that it was such a hostile place. And uh, he had he experienced hostility, hostility from one particular person. And this man one day came behind his back and, and was taking a stone to hit him on his head. Somehow, as he raised his hand with that stone, something struck his hand and the stone just fell off and the pastor's life was saved. So such hostility in that village in Gujarat, this pastor was uh, experiencing. But one day, that same man, as he was working in the field, barefoot, one big nail pierced through his leg from the bottom and straight came up through the top, top of his leg. There's no other person to help him except, in a sense, this uh, pastor who had a bike. And when the pastor heard that this particular man has got, has met with an accident, you know, and uh, the nail has gone through his leg, he rushed to that place. He rushed to that place, took that, put that man behind his bike and took him to the clinic nearby got the nail removed bandaged his wound allowed the clinic to bandage his wound and for the next several weeks he took this man to the clinic to bandage his wound till he felt better and that man 
was the first person in that village to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And that man opened his house to have the first church in that particular place. And the church began that way in that place. And so there's no other way to live our lives than to know experience uh, to to experience his strength to live in boldness. And so as I just close, I just want to say that when we look at our lives and we and we look at this these aspects also, compassion, faith, and boldness, we cannot generate this. We cannot generate this. But we can only receive it through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can only receive it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when I look to him and when I look to the cross where he bled and he gave his life, I see compassion. I see no his mercy over my life that saved a sinner like me. When I look to him and his cross, I see faith in him to step out from heaven and to be obedient to his father and to come and save me and deliver me. When I look to him and the cross, I see boldness in him to die the death, that kind of death on the cross. So that when I receive his grace and I believe in him, I can experience eternal life. And so so I see these aspects, compassion, faith and boldness in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I feel that when when we receive, when we believe in him, and we receive his grace in our lives, we can also experience and we can also live in this compassion, faith and boldness in our lives. So my prayer this morning is that may we embrace this commission. May we embrace this mission to rescue people as we live in the city of Mumbai. That we may show compassion, his compassion that we may live by faith. Walk in obedience and also live a life of boldness as Christ exhibited it on the cross.